who would bear the hopes and future of our people. Let the voice of their guns express the words of freedom. Greetings to the people and fellow comrade brothers and sisters. My name is Sin Q, and to my comrades I am known as Sin. I am a black man and a representative of black people. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Colts Coffee and Conversation. My name is Carl. And I'm Holly. I'd like to welcome you to another edition to Colts Coffee and Conversation. Hello, Holly. Hello, Carl. Alrighty, so we have a very interesting episode for you guys today. Actually, we're starting a new journey. Do what we do, basically. But before we get into that, we must, of course, beg for five stars. Please give us five stars. It is our... It's the algorithm that they have, folks, in order to get us up higher on the charts for more popularity, to spread what we're spreading and make it more entertaining. The better it is, the happier Holly is, so we can get the uh, <laughs> we can get the the feedback. But at least leave five stars. It's on the purple icon on your iPhone if you got it. We're on Google Play. We're on Anchor. We're on Stitcher. We're on everything. Every platform that has a podcast, we're on it. Once again, we want you for your feedback as well. Facebook, we got the Facebook page at Colts Coffee and Conversation. We've got the Instagram at Colts Coffee Convo. Then we have our Twitter account at Colts Coffee Con One. That's Colts Coffee Con, C O N One. So we have our Gmail account, uh, our email, uh, Colts Coffee Convo at gmail.com. So we do have the audio message. Yes, you can uh, leave us a voice memo, send it off to Colts Coffee conversation at oh no cults coffee convo at gmail.com alrighty okay now it's time to do the one other thing we have to do before we get into it and that is our disclaimer we're standard regular people this is our opinions about what we're covering this is for entertainment purposes only there we're done you ready to get into it okay we're done with that fun Side notes now, let's talk about what we are drinking. What is our coffee of the day, Holly? My coffee of the day is my lovely Java Chip No Whip, which is a frozen coffee treat. Cheater. I'm having a flat white. <laughs> okay. Alrighty. Okay. You ready to get into this? Let's get into this. We're going to be covering a... How would we put this? A revolutionary group? Yes, and it was my idea to do it. Yes, kind of break up the pattern. Yes, it has been fascinating so far. We've been researching quite heavily. Very. Well, it just sort of keeps with the theme of groups in the 1970s, late 60s, early 70s, and I thought it would be appropriate for us to dive into this. Yes, uh, because they have a lot of cultic, cultish actions. Yes, you could claim brainwashing. Yes, you can claim brainwashing people who are doing things outside their normal spectrum. Yes. It's a lot. Uh, Giving lot of, up everything their life for yes, a cause. For a cause, that's correct. So are you ready to reveal who we are talking about? I would like to. Please, go ahead, reveal Holly. Who are we going to talk about this new series, right? This new series, that's what I'm thinking of, yes, oh, okay. the new series. <laughs> okay. What? Who are we covering this new series? We are covering the Symbionese Liberation Army. The Symbionese Liberation Army, that is correct. Also known as? SLA. The SLA. We are not going to be repeating the Symbionese Liberation 
army the entire podcast. It's strictly going to be SLA from now on. We'll probably bring it up once or twice, but SLA, okay? Yes, especially when we talk about why it was named that, which is later on. Yes, so we are going to go into about the cast of characters that, well, we're just going to paint you a picture, tell you a story, put it all together, and make it a nice uh, nice play for us. All right, all right, ready to get into it? I am dying to get into this thing. Let's get into it. Well, the first one of our characters. Yes, our characters in our play. His name is Russell Little. Mm. He was born in the 1950s in Florida. Mm. And as a lot of young men in those days, he aspired to be an astronaut, so he went into engineering. Awesome. He went to college, and during a class on philosophy, it was taught by a Marxist graduate student. Mm. He experienced a personal transformation. Mm. So he changed his major to philosophy and started writing for an underground newspaper. Interesting. He went to California with his girlfriend living off of stolen food. Mm. I'm imagining he hitchhiked to California. Yeah, that's what what, uh, we find the theory of all these guys who come to California is the hitchhiking. Yes, we talked about it in the past. Yes, we have. Well, he landed in a place in Berkeley called the Peking House. Oh. Now, mostly because he was tired, but this house was a special place that was run by some radical revolutionary type folks. Mm. And it was sort of a flop house. Now, I don't even know if there's such a thing as a flop house anymore. No, I don't think so. I mean, we have drug houses where they go and do drugs. Or but trap that, houses. They call what's them a trap. trap? That's what they call them trap houses okay because you're i guess you're trapped in there doing drugs there you go oh okay well this was a flop house that's what we or what they called him in those days right so he was there with his girlfriend he started out of guilt he visited the prisoners in the nearest prison he was living near uc berkeley and he was upset by the 1972 re-election of Richard Nixon. Mm. Even though the 60s was over, he wanted to continue to fight for a change. Alrighty, so now we have another character that we're going to talk about. His name is Joseph Romero. Now, he was a Hispanic gentleman, and he was brought up in San Francisco. Now, his father was a Mexican immigrant, and his mother was an Italian-American. Now, they lived in the Sunset District and were conservative Catholics. Now, Joseph went to a Catholic school. Now, after graduating from high school, he walked by an anti-Vietnam War protest and was taunted by the protesters to enlist, which he did. He was gung-ho at the time. Uh, During his time in Vietnam, he was on a long-range reconnaissance patrol where everything in their path was killed. Now, he said he lost uh, his way somewhere in Vietnam and lost his uh, empathy for other human beings. Now... Once he was done with his tour back in San Francisco, he did a lot of drugs, did a lot of odd jobs, and girlfriends came and went, and he was very combatant, now ready for the revolution. Now, he believed a revolution was coming to America, like urban guerrilla civil warfare. He knew all about guns and became a uh, paramilitary trainer for a counterculture in the Bay Area. Now... Holly, go ahead and talk about uh, the next Oh, the next person Mm -hmm. is Nancy Ling Perry. Mm -hmm. She was 
a young lady who grew up in Santa Rosa, California, which is about 75 miles north of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It was pretty rural in those days, too. She was a cheerleader, an A student, and she campaigned for Barry Goldwater in 1964 presidential elections. Mm. She went to Whittier College and then transferred to UC Berkeley. After her marriage to Gilbert Perry broke up, she was working as a topless blackjack dealer in San Francisco. She went through a period of heavy drug use. Yes, and so anyway, another uh, a person, his name is Camilla Hall. Now, Camilla Hall, she was a Lutheran minister's daughter. Now, her mother was an art teacher. Uh, her parents were in the mission field in Tanzania for a couple of years. Then they moved back to the United States where her sister needed medical attention. Now, she went to high school in Minnesota, graduated from the University of Minnesota with a bachelor's in humanities. Now, she worked as a social worker, but then she became dissatisfied with the state welfare system. So, she decided to move to California, first in Los Angeles, and then in 1971, she decided to move to Berkeley. Okay, the next person is Angela Atwood. She grew up in a suburb of New Jersey. Her father was a Teamster official. Angela was in student leadership groups in high school and a cheerleader. She was voted most school spirit by her peers, and she attended Indiana University where she met and married Gary Atwood. She was in a sorority singing group and was involved in theater. Her major was education. She met William and Emily Harris there, who were actors. The Atwoods moved to San Francisco in the early 1970s. Angela separated from her husband, Gary, in 1973. She moved in with the Harrises in December in 1973. Okay, and now we're getting to the... One of the most important people of our little play, his name is Donald DeFreeze. Now, this guy seems like a nice, friendly man. And if you can't hear my sarcasm, it's sarcastic. Okay, now, born in Cleveland, Ohio, and was unwanted by his father. His father punished him three times as a child by breaking both of his arms. That's pretty brutal, I gotta say. That's a very terrible way to grow up, yes. Now, he finally ran away to Buffalo, New York, and lived with a minister. Now, DeFreeze was doing crimes as a youth and was arrested for stealing from parking meters and stealing a car. Now, he was in a reform school for about two and a half years, and in the 1960s, he had created himself a nomadic lifestyle. Now, he went on several violent crimes, such as Kidnapping, entering a bank with two guns and a bomb, carrying bombs on a bicycle, stealing money from a prostitute he just gave money to. He had only received probation for those crimes until he got arrested for pistol whipping a Hawaiian tourist and stealing a check out of her bag. Now he was given an intermediate sentence of five years to life in prison. Yeah, it seems a little crazy to me with all of those crimes that he only got probation different times i guess i would assume so yes and the indeterminate sentencing in california in the 60s and 70s like it was five years to life in prison wow what a difference huh yeah right we have another person 
in our cast of characters. Mm -hmm. William Wolfe. Mm. Now, he was raised in Connecticut. His father was an anesthesiologist. Mm. His parents divorced when he was 15 years old. After graduating from high school, he took a year off and went to the Arctic Circle on a trek. <laughs> wow. I, I would never even think of doing that at 18 years old. That's nuts. In 1971, he moved to San Francisco and enrolled in UC Berkeley. He majored in anthropology and through African-American studies. Hmm. Interesting character. Now, let's talk about uh, William and Emily Harris. Now, William's father was an Air Force lieutenant. Now, William joined the U.S. Marines in uh, 1965 and did a, a non-combat tour of duty. Now, he went to Indiana University where he ended up meeting his wife, Emily. He was involved with the theater group where, of course, they met Angela Atwood. Of course, the Harrises of the Atwoods followed to San Francisco. Now, Emily... She grew up in Illinois mm. and went to the Indiana University where she met her husband, William Harris, Gary and Angela Atwood. They moved to Berkeley in 1973 with the Atwoods. Mm. Now, our final cast of character of note, her name is Patricia Salty Sick. Now, Patricia was the daughter of a pharmacist, the third of seven children, and was the eldest of five girls. Now, she grew up in... Golita, I think that's how it's pronounced, Golita, yes. mm -hmm. Golita, California, and graduated from Don Pueblos High School in 1968 and in the top 10% of her class and was a student body, I'm sorry, student body treasurer of her high school. Now, she enrolled in the University of California, Berkeley on a state scholarship in 1968. While at Berkeley, she became embittered with the Bloody Thursday incident where a protester was killed. Now that Bloody Thursday incident, when we looked it up, there was a couple of ones. Right. But the one we figured it was happened in 1969 in Berkeley at the People's Park. Mm. It was an involvement with some student protesters, mm -hmm. and the police ended up opening firearms on them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, uh, 58 people went to the hospital. So it was a very, very bad situation. Similar to the Kent State University yes. situation. Yes, and one person was shot and killed. Mm. Now, drifting into radical groups, she became a radical feminist herself and a self-avowed revolutionary. Now, when her brother asked about her plans of becoming a lawyer, replied, sisters, none of us are free until we are free. Now, in 1971... She attached herself to a radical ex-convict group, the United Prisoners Union, and dropped out of school. Now, she and her neighbor, uh, Camilla Hall, became lovers. It was Hall who gave Patricia a new name, Ms. Moon. Now I kind of like that name, Ms. Moon. Ms. Moon. So she'll be now known as Ms. Moon. Let me lob up a question to you. Okay. Minus DeFreeze, okay, because it's not on there. All these people have some sort of formal education, and they're either graduated and transferred 
such as Indiana University and transferred over, like those four other four people. Yes. Then you have other people attending Berkeley. Okay. Some of these are at the top of their class. Some of these are the good old-fashioned American, like the idea of yes. of the all-American life. They go to Berkeley, and this could be a rhetorical question, what the heck's going on in Berkeley? Well, now, just thinking about it, each one of these people, as I've studied some of them, they did make their philosophical change in their mind before they got to to Berkeley. Okay. Okay, so for instance, Russell Little, he was in Florida going to college and he went to that class. He was turned. Now the ones in Indiana, Angela Atwood and the the Harrises, Harrises, Mm -hmm. they were doing revolutionary drama. Okay, so they were already in that mindset of just revol- the word of the revolution. revolutionary. We're talking extremes here. Right. Okay. So those people, a lot of these other people, I believe they weren't radicalized at Berkeley. They were already done. They're coming to this, I guess, ground zero. Hub. Yeah, or a hub of this hotbed of revolutionary thought in those days. Now, as was pointed out, the 60s. We had the Summer of Love in 1967. They had all kinds of things happening. Finally, we pulled out of Vietnam. Everybody was going home, going back, but there was a certain group who said no. They actually enhanced their resolve to go forward with this revolution. So, hell or high water. Yes, and we think of the 60s as being so radical, but actually the 70s were even up a lot more notches. They were more radical than the 70s yes, than they, they were, were in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Well, because if you talk about the, the revolution in like the 60s, it was more of a peace-driven yes. type of thing. Peace, which, love, they did their drugs, but they weren't into all the weapons. and. Then slowly turn, you see, you know, you have the Cuba situation. That was early 60s. Early 60s, and then you see... Well, because... Yeah. Well, they had the the Cuban Missile missile Crisis. crisis, They had the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Yes. Okay. They had the escalation of the Vietnam War. well, Well, some people call the day of the assassination of President Kennedy, because it was on television when it happened, they said that's the day the innocence of the United States died. Yes. That is that is something that they say. We go on, you know, to all these other things. The Vietnam War. They actually had the Civil Rights Movement at that time. That's correct. Yes, a lot of unrest. Then they had the Summer of Love, so they wanted to kind of cool it down, and that was in San Francisco. Right. And then just kind of went on. Then they had the assassination of Robert Kennedy in 1968. That's right, in Los Angeles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, do, you, do, you, do you think that the assassination of Robert hiked it all up again? Well, now let's follow it up with Martin Luther King. was also assassinated. So was Malcolm X. Okay. Interesting. So we're, we're talking about a lot of things. Then Richard Nixon was elected, that was a shift into a conservative Republican thoughts again. Gotcha. Because prior to that, Kennedy was a Democrat, although by 
our days now. He's His, more of a Republican. He was more of a Republican, but the Democrats had the 60s. So <laughs> yes. it was the Kennedy, mm-hmm. and then they had Lyndon Johnson. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So they had, the Democrats had the 60s. Now we're going into the 70s with Richard Nixon. He was hated. Oh, yeah. Okay. But anyway, he got them out of the war. Then everybody decided, well, okay, our job is done. Let's go back to living life. Well, you know what's kind of funny is that in the 60s, they were saying, bring our boys home, bring our boys home. If you haven't seen Forrest Gump, it's there. And then, then they bring them home. And now... Well, they had, instead of... Well, at the time, it was post-Vietnam War syndrome or something of that nature. It wasn't the PTSD. Right. But it was the same thing, only it wasn't labeled the same. Right. And, of course, we know because we had a lot of those veterans that went through Vietnam... Right. ...became drug addicts, alcoholics, street people. You know, there was a big section that didn't make it in society. Right. So... That was part of this this radicalization also. Now, also coming up into this story mm-hmm. is the fact that more percentage percentages, there were more African Americans in prison than any other population. Population group? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that came about by... The thought is that they were political prisoners. I remember that. Okay. I remember they were going to that political prisoner thing. Interesting. Well, yes, because they had the riots at Attica. That's right. They did have that. Then they had the Watts riots. Or is that previous? That was in the the mid-60s. That was Mm -hmm. in the 60s. -hmm. Then, of course, you had the situations in Birmingham, Alabama. Mm -hmm. Okay. A lot of movements, a lot of moving parts in the 60s to set up the 70s. In that respect, building up. But then, when everything seemed to calm down, there were certain factions Mm -hmm. that didn't want to, as the Symbionese Liberation Army, as we will find out, what their thoughts were about the whole thing. Right. I just, I mean, when you come to take a look at it, you have the majority, not all, but I mean, no, I, it could be a strong possibility. Actually, you know what? I take that back. All of them were highly educated. We're not just as far as the, um, you know, the college, the university, kids going to university, DeFreeze, he was also politically active. Yes, he well. was. And he was very politically active, as we will find out. Yes, we will. Okay, so we've gone all through this stuff, so we kind of set it up to, to at least the timeline during the 60s, merging into kind of into the 70s. Now, how did all these people get together is what we're kind of figure out. Okay. okay. What, what created this group that we're talking about is the Symbionese Liberation Army. Well, we've got to talk about the hub first, and we have to talk about the spokes. Okay. okay? Now, the hub is Donald DeFreeze. Okay? Okay. Donald DeFreeze is the gentleman who is not the most social human being, I guess, outside of prison. Full of, he's got a rap sheet as long as a football field. You know, not a very good person, especially when he's riding around on a bicycle with bombs, a, bombs and a gun, a couple of guns, which very Irish Republican army of him, I guess, IRA ish. Okay. You think he considers considers himself a uh, political? Yes, I do think he considers himself a political revolutionary person. Well, of course. Be, well, let's kind of get into it a little bit with with, with Mr. Uh, DeFries. 
he joins the uh, Black Cultural Association, the BCA, uh, which is the primary purpose of the BCA was to provide educational tutoring to inmates, which did uh, conjunction with uh, the graduate uh, college students from the nearby San Francisco Bay Area, a la UC Berkeley. Outsiders were allowed to attend meetings of the BCA, and tutors provided remedial and advanced courses, such as mathematics, reading, writing, art, history, political science, and sociology. So he's in prison being political, trying to do reform for inmates. Yes. Obviously, he's locked up in Vacaville. So everyone's thinking, well, what does this have to do with all these other people outside? Well, here comes the spokes to attach to the hub. Okay, you guys ready for this? This is going to be a good one. Back to Mr. Russell Little. Russell Little, just a friendly reminder, is our gentleman from Florida who wanted to be an astronaut. Yes. Okay. Of course, he is uh, upset about Nixon's 72 re-election. Now, of course, he's involved. He's, no, we're not too sure. Is he, is he, he's just living around Berkeley, correct? Yes. Some of these people have already graduated. They're living around Berkeley. Right. Probably just to get the vibe of the revolution kind of get and the vibe and, of it. and I guess maybe connect with others networking. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. So during this time of connection, he meets Joseph Romero, Emily William Harris, and William Wolf. Now, he met them during a showing of a revolutionary a revolutionary film. Now, William Wolf made revolutionary films, is that correct? Well, he showed them in the he theater. He showed them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So guess what they met watching the movie about Che Guevara. Who does he meet? William Wolfe. Let's talk about William Wolfe. Now, William Wolfe, since, of course, he was studying Afro-American studies at UC Berkeley, he started visiting black prisoners in where? Vacaville Prison. Vacaville Prison, exactly. Now, he took a small group of students with him. William and Emily Harris, Joseph Romero. They would talk about politics and social justice issues. Later, Donald DeFries invited Wolfe and Little to join a separate study group called Unisite. Now, Unisite is connected with the Black Panthers. They're coming into the prison. They're helping out with, you know, the rehabilitation, with the education part. Well, here's a list of some of the BCA, the Black Cultural Association, visitor slash tutors. Donald DeFries, of course, was the lead inmate on this. Okay, the coordinator was Colston Westbrook. And then you had William Wolfe, Russell Little, Patricia Solstick, also known as Ms. Moon. Moon. Okay, and then you have Nancy Lee Perry and also Mary Alice Syme. Here's the thing, guys. I just made the hub. We just pulled out the spokes. Now it's time to put a tire on this wheel, okay? Now, in time, the radical political organizations such as Venceremos infiltrated the BCA giving rise to the BCA facts and such as Unicite. Now, we have already discussed about what Unicite is, which eventually became birth to, guess what? The SLA. Now, we are going to pause for just a second in regards to our little story about the SLA. Holly has some very interesting things to share regarding what Vacaville is or what Vacaville has done. Vacaville is a state prison, but it's actually a medical facility. Hmm. It was created to be a psychiatric medical facility originally. Oh, 
in the 1930s. And there's some history that it was built, and as it was being built, they housed those type of prisoners at Terminal Island, which is in Los Angeles County near Long Beach. After it was completed, they bussed up 500 inmates up to Vacaville. So Vacaville today is different than it was then. Of course. Because now they house older prisoners, Mm -hmm. people with AIDS, Mm -hmm. all kinds of different things of medical. It's more of a mountain. Now it technically uses a medical facility now than it was then. Yes. But in these days, it Mm -hmm. was mainly for psychological or psychiatrical. Psychiatric ward for the criminally insane? Well, I don't think they put it that way. (laughs) Ah. Because their, their whole thing is they wanted to rehabilitate them through music, art, writing, public speaking, and developing that person so that they could not be a criminal. Ah, what they should be doing now today. Well, let's go over a list of some notorious inmates that were housed at Vacaville in one time or another. Okay. Now, the most famous one is Charles Manson. Of course. Now, he was transferred from Folsom State Prison. Mm Mm-hmm to CMF, which is California Medical Facility, which is Vacaville, in March in 1974. Mm. So this is around the same time, maybe a little after when Donald DeFries was there, Mm -hmm. but it is within probably months, okay, of him being there. There's a lot of history of, of Manson, and he was in prison for, I'd say, 50 years. He was not there the whole entire time of his incarceration, though. Mm. Now, Bobby Boussoulet, he was an American murderer who was given the death sentence for killing his friend Gary Hinman, a fellow associate of Charles Manson and member of his communal family. Mm. Okay, so Bobby Boussoulet was part of the Manson family. He did not get charged with the Tate-LaBianca murders, Mm. but of this other person, Gary Hinman. Now, Juan Corona... I know this name. Yes, he was a Mexican serial killer who was convicted of the murders of 25 migrant farm workers... He just died just recently. ...found buried in shallow graves in peach orchards Mm. along the Feather River in Sutter County, California, Mm. in 1971. So he was there... At the time, the crimes were characterized as amongst the most notorious in U.S. history. The exact victim total remains unknown and may be significantly higher, according to local authorities. Now, mm. he died March 4th, 2019. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. So that's what, just a few days from this podcast. Yes. Now, Richard Allen Davis, he was there twice. In 1974, after being arrested for burglary, he was sent to... Vacaville for a 90-day diagnostic study. Mm. He was also sentenced to spend six years in Vacaville for a separate burglary beginning August 1975, but was paroled a year later. Mm. He also fueled support for the passage of California's three strikes law for Mm. repeat offenders. Mm. He is currently on death row in Adjustment Center at San Quentin State Prison in California. Mm. He was convicted in 1996 of first-degree murder and four special circumstances, robbery, burglary, kidnapping, and a lewd act on a child 
of 12-year-old Polly Klaus. Davis abducted Klaus on October 1, 1993 from her Petaluma, California home. Hmm. Now another person is Timothy Leary. Did you ever hear of Timothy Leary? Sounds super familiar. Well, he was an American psychologist and writer known for advocating the exploration of the therapeutic potential of psychedelic drugs. Say that again. Uh, mm -hmm. fast. <laughs> and under controlled conditions. Okay, so he was actually there in 1973 and 74 for possession of marijuana and escape from a minimum security prison at San Luis Obispo. Now, he was the one that said, tune in, drop out, or something like that. He had a little phrase. What he was is he was a promoter of LSD. <laughs> he was a college professor. Oh, and, Berkeley maybe? Well, he probably had some kind of go going around there. But he was uh, like a, I don't want to say a, cult leader in the sense of what we've been talking about right but more of a pop cult you know gotcha. more of like oh look he has these great ideas let's follow what he says right he didn't have a formalized group gotcha okay and you know for anybody interested in looking more about his life you can easily google him google and it. find a lot of stuff Alrighty. Okay, well, thank you very much for that. Alrighty, guys, that's it for episode one for the Symbionese Liberation Army. And on that note, good night, Holly. Good night, Carl.